Uh, good morning. I want to say happy Sabbath. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a privilege to be here. And uh, as I was driving up the beautiful Columbia River Gorge from Portland, Oregon, which is my uh, home community, uh, couldn't wait to be here with you. Good to see some familiar faces. But it's uh, yeah, great to be here. Pastor Sergio, thank you for the warm welcome. And uh, I've experienced a very warm community in the Richland Church already. And that's not just lip service. Um, I've already been hugged like a thousand times. And uh, so thank you so much for the warm, for the warm welcome. And uh, so glad to be here. Uh, big picture, uh, this weekend is part of a, a growing uh, younger weekend. And I know Pastor Sergio has been leading you as a church through a sermon teaching series about growing young. And so I am going to be sharing a little bit about growing young, which is a research project um, about churches that are thriving across North America when it comes to building healthy culture and, and reaching younger generations, well building uh, churches where all generations can thrive. And what I believe is that we are stronger together, amen? And when a, when a church culture can engage the passions and the gifts of all generations, that church is going to be the strongest, and it's going to be the strongest family. And so last night, um, I spoke on warm community and how churches that are thriving across North America, they feel like family. And I can tell you, Pastor Sergio, from the limited time that I've been here, uh, Richland Church feels to me like a family already. And so that is God's moving, and I hope you um, have felt that as well. Uh, but churches that are thriving, they feel like family, and young people have shared that so many times in, in the research project of Growing Young, that churches that are thriving, they feel like family. And when you walk in, you feel like you're not just a number, but you actually are known by this community. So I talked about uh, Warm Community last night, and then this morning I wanted to share with you a couple words on moving out of your comfort zone and letting go of excuses and embracing the calling God has for your life. And then I'm going to talk about how do we actually create change uh, in our families, in our communities, and in, in our churches for the church service. And then in the afternoon, um, I'm going to talk about how do we uh, prioritize young people and young leaders everywhere. You will not want to miss the two o'clock. Is it two o'clock? Yeah, yeah. You will not want to miss the two o'clock session this afternoon. Um, some of the stories and videos that I'm going to share um, are, are incredible with what God has been doing. So I'm excited and I love your prayer uh, this morning, Sergio, just asking the Holy Spirit to really move. I was at Southern Adventist University uh, this last week doing a week of speaking and a faculty member came up to me uh, who has served at Southern for almost 20 years and this gentleman asked me, um, could you come and meet me at my office uh, on Friday morning? This was uh, Friday of last week. I just want to talk with you about something. And we went into the office together, and uh, tears started coming down his face. And I said, I said uh, you know, what, what's going on? You know, tell me what's going on in your life. And he said, you spoke about forgiveness uh, the day before. And he said, that really moved me. He said, for the last 25 years, I have been hanging on to some things in my life that are not allowing me to step forward into the calling that God has for me. And I want to I let those things go, and I want to be baptized. So this faculty member of Southern Adventist University on Sabbath afternoon, last Sabbath, we met at the Recreation Center pool 
with about 60 or 70 of his friends and colleagues uh, there at Southern, and we baptized him, which was just, a, just an amazing thing. And so uh, God is here and God is moving, and I'm excited to see what God is doing here at Richland. So let me just ask you this. How many of you were, were a uh, very energized child, or you know an energized child? Anybody? <laughs> okay. I'm just like, let's not be ashamed at that. I think sometimes we think about, you know, oh, I, I, was so I was so energetic, or maybe we think it's too much. Uh, maybe what we think is too much energy is just not being channeled in the right direction. And maybe it's not that it's, it's holding you back. Maybe it really is a gift from God to have all that energy. Amen? I was a very energized child growing up. And uh, I, I've heard some people uh, talk about, well, we've got to figure out how do we contain the young people because they just have so much energy. Let me throw this out to you. I think our role as a church is not to contain young people. It is to set them free and release them. If God gives you energy and gifts and passions, how do we put our, our mind together and our heads together as church leaders and seasoned church members and figure out, let's not try to contain that young person. How do we figure out where he or her can use that energy and those gifts that God has, has given them? And so I hope that as Richland moves forward, this can be known as a church community that releases young people into the calling that Jesus has for them. Amen? But I was one of those young people that had a lot of energy. Maybe you can tell already. But I had a lot of energy. And uh, I grew up in a small um, Adventist ghetto uh, known as Hinsdale, Illinois. Anybody ever heard of Hinsdale, Illinois? Adventist school, Adventist hospital. But it was a little church, kind of church community. And um, I grew up outside of Chicago. And this was during the, um, the highlight uh, season of the Chicago Bulls. Anybody uh, remember somebody named Michael Jordan? Um, so Michael Jordan, arguably the greatest basketball player to ever live, he played about 25 miles from where I grew up as a kid at the United Center in Chicago. And I remember thinking to myself, one of my greatest dreams as a kid would be to meet Michael Jordan, like to really stand in front of him. And little did I know that that dream would actually become a reality, not once, but a few different times. Um, but a friend of mine down the street, how many of you had a best friend growing up? Anybody have a best friend? So my best friend at the time, his name was David, and David said, Ben, I've got great news, and this is coming to the ears of a fifth grader. He said, I've got great news. My dad has tickets to a golf tournament, and I thought that doesn't really sound exciting to me. Nothing, nothing against anybody who loves, I play a little golf here and there, but I said, that, that's not thrilling. And my friend David said, but wait, you haven't heard the whole story. This is a celebrity golf tournament, and Michael Jordan is playing at the golf tournament. And my dad has tickets. This was in Oak Brook, Illinois, for those of you who uh, may, may know the Chicago area. And he said, we've got tickets, and we'd love to have you come. Um, I didn't even wait to ask my mom. I said, I'm gonna, I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, like the draw was too strong. I said, I'll be there. And... Um, so David and I and his dad, we went to Oak Brook, Illinois to this celebrity golf tournament. And I'm just going to put this out there. I went with one purpose. It wasn't about golf. I was going to meet Michael Jordan. That, that's why I went. And I was focused on that goal. And so we showed up and I began to, with my friend David, roll all over the, um, 
the uh, golf tournament there looking for Michael Jordan, and I found him. Six foot, six inches tall, greatest basketball player of all time, was standing right, right there, kind of in front of me. And so David and I just walked with him from hole to hole throughout the day. And so everywhere that he went, um, we walked. And it's amazing the power of heroes, isn't it? And it's amazing that every person here in this Richland community has the potential to be a hero to the younger generation. It's interesting, okay? And so we, we, we went and we just followed Michael Jordan all throughout the day. And as we followed him, I realized the day was drawing to a close. I think uh, he may have been on hole 16. And I thought to myself, if I'm going to get up and see him, have a conversation, this is my time. And so here I was, a fifth grader, and I was standing at this security gate area, and uh, there was a little opening in the gate, and I began to run this scenario through my mind. Are my legs fast enough to run through the security gate and get to Michael Jordan before I would get slowed down by security? And as a young kid, I was pretty confident in my running ability, and I thought to myself, yes, you can. You can do this. I believe in you. I was telling myself this. I believe in you. You are fast. You are like a cheetah. You can outrun everyone that is lined up there. And so here we were in this moment, and it was like something just took over me, and I began to run. And it was like one of those slow motion, is this really happening experiences. And so I'm running as fast as I can go. And I'm running at Michael Jordan. I come up behind him, and I begin to think in my mind as I'm coming up behind him. This is a true story, but I'm, I'm not, not making this up. As I come up behind him, how am I going to address, address him? Your airness. <laughs> King Jordan, Mr. Jordan, MJ, Dad. Uh, and, so I, and so I was wondering, like, what am I going to say to him? And so I ran up behind him, and I stepped kind of to the side, and I said, Mr. Jordan, it's taken me a while to find you. Could I get your autograph? And so I pulled out this prepared notepad. You've got to be prepped for these things. Notepad and this great pen. And so I handed it to him. He stopped, and he was all there by himself. So it's just fairway, Mr. Jordan, and me. He stopped. And he looked down at me, and I remember thinking, I cannot believe that Michael Jordan is looking at me. Like, this is, a, this is the greatest day of my life. And so he looks down at me, and he says, hey, no problem. I'd love to give you an autograph. So he grabs the piece of paper, and he writes MJ and fills the whole little mini pad with his autograph, MJ. And he hands it back to me, and he says, hey, I hope you have a great day. And then he shook my hand. True story. I have not washed this hand. It... <laughs> Maybe a little white lie. I haven't washed this hand in 20-some years. No, it's not true. But he walked on, and there I was just standing there. There is incredible power when you know that you have been seen. And I'm going to put this out to you. Your miracle 
that you need in your life right now. Not, not a miracle for somebody else. Your miracle starts by knowing that you are seen. You with me on this one? So I left the golf tournament and I went home with this autograph. And like any young man would do, I thought to myself, where am I going to hide my prized possession? Not under the bed. So I went to a bookcase and I found a book that nobody would ever go into. And I put the autograph in the book. About a month later, one of the worst days of my life, I walked into our family library room and my dad had been motivated out of the blue to clean the bookcase. And he threw my autograph in the trash. I know the Bible says forgiveness, but I want to tell you folks, I'm still working through it. Like it's still very real and it's very raw. And so, and so my dad, he accidentally threw it out. And then a month later, he got me another autograph um, as a way to replace the first one. And he got me another autograph. 20 years later, I had it appraised only to find out that it was fake. And uh, so it was like, oh, this story in this moment. But anyway, great experience uh, as a young kid. And I, I say that because I want to talk to you about being seen. And I want to talk to you about the power of knowing that God sees you and knowing that you are not invisible. So many of us are held hostage in the calling that God has for us because we believe that nobody sees us. You see, when you're seen, you know that you have value. When somebody pauses and they recognize you, there is value in that recognition. There is something special that somebody notices within you. And I want to tell you this morning, no matter what you may be going through in your life, I want to tell you and remind you or tell you for the first time that God sees you with what's happening in your life right now. That you're not invisible. Whether it's a struggle or a dream that you want to see happen, or a healing that you hope will happen, or a door that you are waiting to have open, or a door that just closed in your life, you are seen, and your miracle in your life starts by knowing you are seen, that God sees you. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, uh, let's go to the book of John, and when you've got the book of John, go ahead and say amen, so we know you've got it. And I want to teach a little bit out of the um, narrative and the story of Jesus healing the man by the pool of Bethesda on the Sabbath. So this is John, the book of John, and let's go to John chapter 5. And when you've got John chapter 5, go ahead and say amen so we know you've got it. John chapter 5. And uh, yeah, I went, down to the, I went to school down in the south, and so we are definitely okay with little call and response so you can say things during the service that's okay so this is john chapter 5 and this is the story of jesus healing the man by the pool of bethesda so i just want to read through this and then share a couple thoughts with you and john chapter 5 verse 1 after this there was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem and there in jerusalem is a is a pool um, by the sheep gate in aramaic called bethesda which has five roofed colonnades, and in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. One man, 
um, who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, verse 6, when Jesus, what? When Jesus, I'm in the ESV, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and he walked. And Jesus, uh, he's doing a couple things here. Jesus is He's challenging the culture of the day where Sabbath uh, really has become a requirement and it's lost its giftedness. So he's challenging culture and he's also changing somebody's life and he's turning a page. And I think for so many of us, we look at our life where we're at right now and we think we are at the very last chapter. We think we're at the end. And I want to tell you, this man who was at the pool, who had been in that condition for 38 years, you better believe he thought he was at the end of his story. He thought to himself, like, I'm just going to come and live out my days here at this pool. With Jesus, your story is not over yet. Say that again. With Jesus, your story is not over yet. Jesus can write a new chapter. Jesus can turn a page. The author of the greatest story ever to be written can write more story in your life. Amen? So Jesus uh, sees this man who's been lying there in that, in that condition. And I believe that's where the miracle started. Where this man in this, in this condition, he knew that somebody was recognizing him and, and they saw him that he was not invisible. So Jesus saw this man, and he had been in this condition for a long time. So let me, let me just paint a daily scenario of what this man's life might have looked like. If he was an invalid, he was probably incapable of getting himself to the pool every day. Are you kind of with me on this one? He probably did not have the ability um, in his own strength to dress himself every day or to take care of his hygiene every day or, or, or to, 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 to close out the day. And so this man had to be dressed in the morning somebody had to help him out with his hygiene uh, wash him bathe him wipe him whatever it was and then they had to carry him to the pool so he could spend his day at the pool and maybe somebody checked on him during the day and when the time was done they would take him back to his residence or wherever he was staying and so this man you may think what a horrible life I'm sure he wanted to get out of what he was experiencing but think about this that may have been a very comfortable life for him. Your needs are somewhat taken care of. And so this man, he's seen, and, and I think when you think about his life, though he has a major physical challenge, there was some comfort to his life in that everything was taken care of for him. So Jesus comes on the scene and he asks this man a question that I think is such a no-brainer. Like, why would you even ask this man? Because that's why he's here. There's a belief that when the waters of the pool are stirred up and you can get into the pool, that a healing experience will happen. So that's why he's here. So Jesus asks this man, he said, do you want to be made well? And I just think to myself, why would Jesus ask that question? Like, that, that, that's why he's here. Of course he would want to be made well. But 
is the man willing to let go of his comfort to be healed? And so Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? And what he doesn't say is yes, okay? He does, he's not lying on the ground, you know, there by the pool, and he, he doesn't hear this question and respond with confidence, oh, of course, that's why I'm here. What does he do? He responds by giving Jesus an excuse. Well, Jesus, you don't understand. Every time the water is stirred up and I try to get to the pool, somebody else always goes down in front of me. If we are going to embrace the calling that Jesus has for our life, our life, we have to be willing to step out of what is comfortable and routine. Are you with me on this one? And we have to be willing to lay our excuses down. So when you think about this, Jesus, Jesus, here's the response. Well, Jesus, you don't really understand. Here's what you don't see Jesus do. You don't see Jesus engaging with the man's excuses and giving attention and thought to processing those excuses. You don't see Jesus sitting down and saying, you know what, I never thought about that. Like, you're right. Every time the water is stirred up, you never get down there. My bad. I didn't think, I didn't think about that. You're right. Let's talk about it. That must be so hard for you to go through what you're going through. Is that what you see Jesus do in Scripture? No. You don't see Jesus engaging with the man's excuses and giving attention to his excuses. Folks, for us, are we going to, and I hope this challenges somebody, are we going to worship our excuses or are we going to worship Jesus? Because you can't give thought and attention and focus to both. You're either going to worship with your time and your energy and your thought every stumbling block in your life, or you're going to worship Jesus who can do the possible with a life that seems like it's filled with impossibilities. So Jesus doesn't engage with the man's excuses, and, and all of a sudden, Jesus just gives this man a command that he says, get up, get up, wherever you are I." I, wherever you or I are at, whether you're 10 years old or you're in your 70s or 80s, Jesus always has a next step for you in your journey. There is no neutral with Jesus. He is always about moving you forward into the calling that he has for you. I have seen some friends of mine in their early 80s, and I hope you hear me on this, in their early 80s, discover a calling in their 80s they never had in their 40s. I knew a man that retired from being a lawyer for 40 years that all of a sudden started a nonprofit in his late 70s to help inner city kids learn how to read. He didn't have that calling when he was in his 30s or his 40s. There's always a next step that Jesus has for you in your journey. And we may retire from a job, but we don't ever retire from our calling. Somebody say amen. Yep. Matter of fact, if you have more time because you're retired, you should be diving into that calling more than you ever have in your life. Because you have the time and the resourcing to raise up a younger generation. We're talking about growing younger. 
to use what you, God has given you to do something great with all the experience and the wealth of knowledge that you have. So Jesus calls this man forward and he says, get up, take up your bed and walk. And when you look in scripture, scripture says clearly, it just takes a little mustard seed for you just to believe a little bit that it's possible. Just a little bit. You don't have to have all the faith of a cup that's overflowing. It's great if you do, but just a little bit can give you access to the miracle workings of Jesus in your life. And so this man, as he hears that command, get up, take up your bed and walk, that little mustard seed of faith began to take root. And it began to grow in that man's life. And he began to pivot from, I'm always going to be in this condition, to there's hope of a different condition. With Jesus, there is always hope for a different condition, amen? And so as he begins to, to let that seed take root, all of a sudden you can imagine physically what begins to happen. Muscles that were atrophied begin to move again. Blood began to flow in his veins again. Color came back into parts of his body that had not seen color in a long time. He began to move his extremities in a different way and his toes in a different way. And as his, something begins to happen in his body, he said, I, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to stand. And you can imagine him standing up and all of a sudden, let me, I'm just imagining here, all of a sudden he is seeing all of his people from a different angle. I didn't even know you were here. You've been lying next to me for 38 years. Get out of here. We're related. It's like, I didn't even know you were here. And, and you kind of had this idea that, you know, again, healing on the Sabbath and, and the cultural tension there. But you kind of think he just quietly rolled up his bed. And he walked away. I think whether it was internal or slightly external, that there was a pool party that was taking place. <laughs> that he was stepping over people saying, there's hope. Look at me. Look at me. And Jesus called this guy forward. He called him forward. And he became the talk of the town. He got all this attention from religious leaders who healed you? I don't really know. He found out. I don't know. But he was healed. And he, he, he launched into a new chapter. And you imagine, we don't see it in Scripture, but you imagine the thousand times he retold that story of what happened to him. All the places he went that he used to not go because he was carried. And all the conversations, the people that knew him as a child and knew his condition, and now he has a new condition. And all the times he retold that miracle story of what Jesus had done for him at the pool of Bethesda. Let me end by sharing just a couple, couple comments about that story. Um, if you are going to pursue the calling that Jesus has for you, you will be uncomfortable. I'm just going to say that. And I'm going to go so far to say this. If you are 100% comfortable right now, that should be a red flag that you are not stepping forward into the calling that God has for you. When you're in your calling, it's challenging. Why? Because a Jesus calling requires Jesus. 
If you are moving forward with a vision for your life that doesn't require Jesus, it is not Jesus' vision for your life. Because a Jesus vision requires Jesus. And a Jesus vision is going to push you out of comfort. You're not going to be alone, but it's going to push you out of comfort into a little bit of the unknown. This is going to be new. It's going to stretch you. It's going to use gifts and abilities in new and different ways, especially with the current life season that you may be in. But it's going to push you out there a little bit. I want to tell you, for me personally, the vision that I want for my, for my life is one that drives me to my knees every single morning. Because without Jesus, there is no way that this vision is going to come to fruition. Lay out a journey for me, Jesus. That requires me to ask for your presence and leading every single day. Amen? If you're comfortable, if I'm comfortable, I think we need to go back and wrestle over what is the real vision for my life as I'm in this season. What is that going to look like? And so it's going to call you out of comfort. If you have excuses in your life, that you have been giving thought and attention to, you need to name those. I'm too old. I'm too poor. I'm too young. I'm too damaged. My life is too complicated. I'm too isolated. I don't have enough friends. I've made mistakes in my past. Whatever the excuse may be that any of us are giving to Jesus or giving attention to, we need to name those. And I want to tell somebody this morning, you are not too old. And you are not too young. And your life is not too complicated. And your past is not too messed up. And your mistakes are not too great that Jesus can't get a hold of your life where you are at and move you into a new chapter. Amen? So if you have excuses, name those. Name them. Jesus doesn't give attention to them, so don't give attention and focus and worship to them either. Okay? Name your excuses. Name your excuses. And then begin to pray about what your next step is for the calling that Jesus has for you. What is the next step? And again, I'll go back to something I said a few minutes ago. The calling you had 10 years ago is going to look different today. It may still be the same passions and gifts and abilities that are being used, but it's going to look different. And what I mean by that is you want to always be revisiting what is the calling that Jesus has for me in this life stage. Okay? Don't depend on what he did 20 years ago to lead you into what you're supposed to be doing today. Revisit that and pray over that. So here's my Sabbath afternoon challenge. Okay? My Sabbath afternoon challenge is this. Take out a piece of paper. Okay, people still use paper? <laughs> she laughs. <laughs> take out a piece of paper, you know, you know. Take out a piece of paper and a pen. Okay, Take out a piece of paper and a pen. And um, name your excuses on paper. Name your excuses. I'm too comfortable. I'm too old. I'm too young. My past. Whatever it is. Name those 
excuses. And then begin to make some notes. What could a next step be for me in my relationship with Jesus and the calling that he has for me to impact the world with what, he give, what, what he's given me? Um, the calling for some of you may be to start engaging and meeting with a young person once a week and paying for their meal. Somebody say amen. <laughs> what do I have? I got 20 bucks a week. What can I do with that? I could take somebody out to a meal. And I can be more interested than interesting. And I can begin to invest in their life. Amen? You are seen. You are seen. Michael Jordan saw me. God sees me. You are seen. Okay? Jesus wants you to surrender those excuses. And he wants to call you forward into another chapter of your life and wherever you're at let me just encourage you that your story is not over yet the author of the greatest story is about to write a new chapter in your story amen, amen? and like he said to that man get up take up your bed and walk there's a new part of your story to be written amen let's let's pray together Dear God, I want to thank you. Um, I hope that somebody was encouraged and challenged a little bit this morning. Um, I know for me, I have to come face to face with some of the excuses um, that I give focus and attention to in my life. And Jesus, thank you so much for seeing us, for, for recognizing our hopes and dreams and what we're going through in our life and the, the things that are happening, the complexity that's going on. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for giving us the courage to lay down excuses, and thank you for calling us forward into the next chapter that you have for us. Jesus, we may not have clarity on what that next chapter is, but wrestle with us. And as we seek you every day and we ask those questions and we ask you to help us to understand what that looks like, may we have the courage to step forward into that calling and that next chapter for your honor and your glory. In your name we pray, amen.